Well, everybody, I think we'll go ahead and get started. Welcome. And we may have some others um, joining us as we, as we get going here, but um, I'd like to begin, as we always do, with a word of prayer. And this is a prayer that actually comes from the little book, the John Stott book, um, from this chapter where he describes God's work in our lives as like a carpenter, the work of a carpenter, and we are his, his handiwork. And so um, it's a prayer about spiritual growth and, and inviting God in to do the work in us that he wants to do. So let's um, begin with a word of prayer. Jesus, master carpenter of Nazareth, who on the cross through wooden nails hast wrought man's whole salvation, wield well thy tools in this thy workshop, that we who come to thee rough-hewn may be fashioned into a truer beauty by thy hand, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit livest and reignest one God, world without end. Amen. Amen. So the question I've got up here to begin with is this. Who is someone you know personally that you would consider to be spiritually mature? Um, How is their maturity expressed in who they are and how they live their life? That's a question I'd encourage you to have at the back of your mind as we talk through today, because that's really um, what we're going to be talking about, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. But let's review from last week. Last week, we talked about how um, I can be sure that I am a Christian, and this brought up this whole issue of Christian assurance. We talked about why Christian assurance is so important for the spiritual journey, for your entire journey. Um, I think about this particular time that we're in, a time of great uncertainty and sadness and um, difficulty, a time when our need for assurance is great. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about that and, and faith and what faith actually looks like in the Christian life. Um, a very timely teaching for us today. So we talked about that, why it's important, and, um, and also where you can go to find it. Where are we supposed to find this assurance that God wants to give us? Well, today we're going to talk about how to grow as a Christian. And I want to begin by pointing out that in the earliest days of the church, the followers of Jesus actually weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. For example, in the book of Acts, when we read about the man named Saul, who's pictured here, um, Saul, who's also by the name, known by the name Paul, who eventually came to write much of the New Testament, but in his earlier days, he was a great persecutor of the church. And we read about his, um, his work as a persecutor in the book of Acts, And um, take a look at this passage from Acts chapter 9. Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to, there it is, the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Friends, Christianity is not a destination What is your religion? Check Christianity. It's not just a destination. It's not a box that we check. It is a journey. Jesus said this. He said, I am, there it is, the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The way. It's a journey. He also said this. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow me. It's a way, it's a journey. To be a Christian is to be on that lifelong journey of growing spiritually into Christ. And I want to ask you all this morning, are you actively on that journey? Are you on that journey? Because that's what we're going to talk about today. How we, as the followers of the way, were meant to grow into Christ. We're going to talk about three things this morning. We're going to talk about the need for growth. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about why this is important. We're going to talk about the areas of growth. So what does that actually look like? Like what what are the areas of our hearts, of our spirits that are going to grow? And then thirdly, um, what are the means? How how do we actually, how are we supposed to participate with the Holy Spirit and to help foster this growth that God wants to bring in us? So let's begin with the need for growth. And I want to go back to that passage that I had on the screen earlier. This one, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus explains here that the Christian journey begins with something that is very difficult for us as human beings, self-denial. Self-denial is not something that comes naturally to us. Think about it. When all of us were born into the world um, as a little baby, basically all we're able to do is to say to our parents, you know, feed me, change me, put me to bed, get me up, me, 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 me. By necessity, a baby can't take care of itself. So it is, again, by necessity, totally self-centered. Then we move on to kindergarten. And if you talk to any kindergarten teachers, they'll tell you that one of the most difficult lessons to teach a child is the importance of sharing. We don't like to share because, again, that's a kind of self-denial. It doesn't come naturally to us. So the Christian journey is about learning something that is very counterintuitive, something, again, that doesn't come naturally to us as we are born into this world. And yet that is um, what it is to become spiritually mature, learning how to give ourselves to the service of the Lord and the service of those around us. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said this later in the gospel, according to Matthew. He said, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word that the Bible uses to describe this journey of growth that we are on as the followers of Jesus is the word sanctification. That's a Bible word to be that means to be literally to become like a saint. That's where we get our term saint from, sanct, that sanctification. Um, likewise, in church, sometimes we sing uh, an ancient hymn known as the Sanctus, holy, holy, holy. Well, the Latin for that is Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus. So sanctification is, is the process by which God makes you holy, makes you into saints, makes you like Jesus Christ. That's the journey that we are on. So we have a need to grow into the likeness of Jesus. Well, where is this actually going to show up in our lives? What will this look like day to day? Well, the New Testament describes four primary areas of growth. There are others, but the primary areas are faith, love, knowledge, and holiness. And we're going to talk about that. Let's begin with this whole issue of faith. God means for us to grow in faith, but what is faith? We need to understand that biblical faith is not the same as the popular understanding of faith. 
I want you all to begin to contrast the popular understanding of faith. Because the popular understanding of faith out in the world, when the world, um, when non-Christians look at Christians and they hear about this whole issue of faith, this is kind of how the world thinks about it. In the popular understanding, faith is believing something that you really wish were true, but you can't be sure, and so you need faith to get you there. That's the popular understanding. And if that's the case, then strong faith in the popular understanding is believing something that you suspect is maybe untrue, but you're still able to get there through faith. Believing in Santa Claus, that sort of thing. Which means that the strongest faith possible is when you know it isn't true, but you still believe it anyway. Again, this is sort of the popular understanding of faith. When you hear people talk about faith, when people uh, deride Christians for their faith. To put it another way, the world's idea of faith is faith is what you need when you don't have the facts. Faith is about turning off your brain, basically. But friends, that is not what biblical faith is all about. Biblical faith is about trusting in a person. Now, on the first day that we got together, um, we talked about what is the heart of Christianity. Who can tell me? The heart of Christianity is? Yes, yes, the relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the person of Jesus Christ, absolutely. And so the center of faith is belief in a person, a person, the person of Jesus. That's what biblical faith is. Now, if I were to put my trust into persons like, say, for example, Bernie Madoff or Richard Nixon, then that wouldn't be too wise. These are men who have not proven themselves to be trustworthy. But if I put my trust in someone who is trustworthy, well, then that's totally reasonable and rational. So my point, my friends, is that biblical faith, although sometimes it does go beyond reason, is never contrary to reason. You should not ever feel like you're ever having to turn off your brain in order to have faith in Jesus Christ. While again, when the world looks in at the church, sometimes that's what they think we're doing, turning, turning off our brains in order to believe. To the contrary, what every believer comes to discover is that there is no one more trustworthy than God. And so to trust in him is completely rational. So that what uh, Paul said of the Thessalonians is supposed to be true of you, true of me. Um, Paul wrote, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, as is fitting because your faith is growing abundantly. So that's the first area, day to day, where the Holy Spirit wants to help you mature, grow up as a Christian, is to grow in your, your capacity for faith. The second area of growth is love. Every Sunday morning, um, well, actually, well, I say every Sunday morning. This is actually not true in the season of Lent, for those of you um, who will be in the service later this morning. But in normal times, at the very beginning of the service, the priest gets up and basically gives a greeting, you know, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you all respond. Um, and, and then he, he, has, um, he, he gives what we call the great commandment or the summary of the law. Does anyone happen to know what this is, what the priest is saying there? Hear it, our Lord Jesus Christ saith, thou shalt love. love, there it is, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, we're in the season of Lent, so you won't hear this this morning, but in normal times, every time we have a communion service, that's one of the first things that's said there at the beginning of the service. This is what we call the summary of the law. In other words, if you had to take the whole Bible and uh, you had to give an elevator pitch about what God's law is, you don't have time to go through the whole Bible, this would be the elevator pitch of what God's law is. It's the law of love, that we would love God first and love our neighbors. And friends, the Holy Spirit wants to help you to grow in your ability to love and your capacity to love. I want you all to think in your mind about the person or persons in your life that you find it most difficult to love. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. I don't know. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to be able to love that person. Now, you may not ever come to the point where you like that person. I don't know. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can do that. Maybe so, maybe not. But to be able to love them, to love them as Christ loves them. Now, all of us could probably think of persons who um, we, you know, kind of spiritually cross arms and be like, I don't, I don't want to love that person, <laughs> you know. But that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do, is to help you love them. Again, maybe not like them, but love them. Turn with me, if you would, if you've um, got your Bible, we're going to look at a little passage. The reason that um, God wants us to grow in love is because he is love. Let's take a look at 1 John. This is not the gospel according to John. This is the first letter um, of John. It's near the back of the Bible, page 1023, if you're using the classroom Bible. And let's read what John writes. He said, Beloved, there beginning at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Wow, that's powerful. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So I encourage you all to ask the Holy Spirit to increase your capacity to love. Again, especially to love those whom you find difficult to love. It reminds me of that scene um, in that classic Christmas cartoon when the Grinch um, stole Christmas, maybe some of you all. I'm not talking about the modern one. I'm talking about the old, you know, 1950s, 60s, I think. And uh, there's a scene near the end where the Grinch has taken everything away. But then all of a sudden something happens. He sees the Who's down in Whoville are singing in spite of the fact that everything has been taken away and something happens to his heart. What happens to his heart, it grows, as, grows like three sizes that day. Um, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us to increase your capacity to love. Third area of growth is in the area of knowledge. And why does God want us to grow in knowledge? Well, first of all, he gave us minds. He wants us to use them to, to grow and to, um, in our understanding. But, but deeper than that, in order to have a relationship with someone, you've got to get to know them. Listen to what Jesus said in the gospel according to John. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. It's not just facts, not just data, but to know each other. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life 
for the sheep. I know my own and my own know me. God wants you to grow in your knowledge of him as a person so that you can grow closer to him. Ellen and I have been married for 21 years and uh, we're still learning things about each other. And the more we learn about each other, the more we're able to love and care for each other. Some of that is about learning things maybe from the past, maybe even difficult things, so that we can care for each other and support each other. Well, how much more so do we need to learn about our Heavenly Father? The Apostle Peter put it this way in his second letter. He said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But friends, God also wants us to grow in knowledge because ignorance leads to all sorts of problems, moral problems, personal problems. Uh, One of the great privileges of serving as a minister is you get to get involved in people's lives. And sometimes you get involved in their lives at the high points, the celebrations, um, you know, confirmations and and baptisms and marriages and, and so on. But you also get involved in their lives when things are going terribly. And I'm sad to say that oftentimes um, I've had both the privilege but also the pain of being involved in people's lives who made all sorts of problems because they were ignorant of the things of God. And I don't say that as a judgment. I say that with a broken heart. God doesn't want us to be ignorant about his ways because his ways are the ways of blessing for us. So he wants us to know them and to understand them so that we can walk in the way of blessing, the walk in the way that he has us. In the spiritual life, ignorance is not bliss. God wants us to lose our ignorance and to grow in understanding. Well, the final area where we're meant to grow as Christians is in the area of holiness. And what is holiness? Well, in the broadest sense, uh, to be holy is to be different, to be set apart. But in the Christian context, holiness means to be like Christ. Again, there's that word, sanctification, to be be made into a saint, to be a saint, to be made holy. We'll talk more about this when we talk specifically about the person of Jesus, who he is and what he's done. But I want to anticipate that and say that the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you handed your life over to him, said, Lord, my life is yours. In that moment, an exchange took place so that when God looks at you, even though you and I know in our heart of hearts there's all sorts of stuff in here that's not okay with God, all sorts of thoughts, all sorts of things we've done or left undone that are not not okay with God, the moment we put our faith in Christ, it's like this filter is put in between so that when God sees us through his son, Jesus Christ, He sees us as saints, as pure, as holy. So that happens the moment we put our faith in Christ. But then from that point onward, we then go begin on the lifelong journey of being made into what God has declared us to be, saints. Saints. So you are already saints because you've given yourself to Christ. And what the Holy Spirit is doing is making you into what you have been declared to be. A saint. A saint. The Apostle Paul explained it this way in his second letter to the Corinthians. Um, he wrote, 
Now, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Uh, That is, we are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus from one degree of glory to another. So if you want to know, where am I headed on this journey? What's, what's, what's the Holy Spirit doing in me? He's turning you into be more and more like Christ. So that the Joe of today is more like Christ than the Joe of five years ago. Now, sometimes we can see that. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it won't be obvious. Sometimes you think, oh, I don't feel like I'm making any progress at all. But that's, that's what he's doing, the Holy Spirit is doing, making you more like Christ. Now, there are a couple of things I need to say about this whole issue of of holiness before we go on to um, the means of growth. First of all, again, just want to make it clear that holiness ultimately is Christ-likeness. It's to look like Jesus. He's the standard. He's the pattern. But second of all, I want us to understand that this is a gradual process. Now, it's true that sometimes... When a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, sometimes God can bring forth an instant change in that person. I have a dear friend who grew up sort of in the church, you know, probably knew a few things about Jesus, but um, it was not until he, well, anyway, in his teenage years, he got into drugs, actually ended up on the streets, um, but finally made his way into a, a drug rehab program. The only one he could find was, uh, uh, the only free one he could find happened to be this Christian rehab program up, up in the upstate of South Carolina, and he went, and it was there that he first began to hear about who Jesus is and who he calls us to be. And my friend explains it this way. He said, you know, I, I was suffering from all sorts of withdrawals from these drugs, but once I gave my life to Christ, it was like in a matter of a day, all of that stuff went away. All of my cravings went away, and I was set free. Now, that's the exception. That is a miraculous change. That does happen. But, but more generally and, and more commonly, the changes that the Holy Spirit does in us are gradual. So that, for example, if you suffer with a temper, the Holy Spirit's going to be working on you and your anger over time. Um, if you are, are tempted to gossip, the Holy Spirit's going to be working over time. So, so the point of that, though, is to say, because it is gradual, we need to have patience with ourselves and we need to have patience with each other because we are all a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. So we need to give grace to each other as the Holy Spirit works. Thirdly, um, this growth in holiness is the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's less about us gritting our teeth and saying, I'm going to be like Jesus. You know, I'm going to work harder and be like Jesus. Really, it's more about cooperating with what the Spirit wants to do in us. The best image I can give is if you've ever learned to do ballroom dancing um, in kind of classic ballroom dancing, the male is the lead partner and the female follows. And so the male is sort of calling the, we're going to do this move. We're going to do that move. We're going to you know, do this. So they're, they're dancing together. They're participating together. They both have a part to play. But, but it's, it's the guy in the dance, in ballroom dance, who's, who's sort of calling the, calling the dance. Likewise, the Holy Spirit, you, you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit who is bringing about this change within you. 
So we have a part to play, but the Holy Spirit is the lead partner. So sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit along with your active participation. Fourthly, um, oopsie, to go back. This brings up the whole issue of um, the importance of being disciplined. Now, for some folks, discipline comes easy. For some folks, it doesn't. But notice that discipline has the same root as disciple. To be a disciple of Jesus is to have a discipline. So part of the growth that we're going to be talking about, part of your role, is to begin to take up certain disciplines day by day that will help you to grow. And that will you know, help you participate in what the Holy Spirit is doing. Now, there is an aspect of our growth that I want to talk about <clears throat> that John Stott um, describes in this whole image. He uses the image of the divine carpenter. I prayed that prayer there at the beginning of, um, of our time together, and it, it was a prayer inviting the divine carpenter in to work in, in this workshop, the workshop of our hearts. But I want you to listen here to what John Stott says about some of the methods that the Holy Spirit uses to help us to grow, because you may find that there are some surprises here. John Stott wrote this, the carpenter from Nazareth, that is Jesus through his Holy Spirit, is still busy with his tools. Now by the chisel of pain, now by the hammer of affliction, now by the plane of adverse circumstances, as well as through experiences of joy, he is shaping us into an instrument of righteousness. Okay, so according to John Stott, what are some of the tools of the Holy Spirit that he uses? Pain. Pain. What else? Adversity, adverse circumstances, yeah. As well as through joy, yeah. That, that's the one I think that we often assume that the Holy Spirit uses the most um, are the kind of mountaintop experiences. But really, it's some of these other things that I think are often a surprise to, to new Christians or to Christians who are... Who are um, Growing, that it's pain, affliction, adverse circumstances that the Holy Spirit uses to shape us. Now, this should be a word, a word, in a way, a word of encouragement. Because all of you are going to go through difficult times. All of you are. Maybe some of you are going through a difficult time right now. And we can often think in those times, gosh, has the Lord abandoned me? Is, has he left my side? Is he punishing me? And nine times out of 10, the answer is no, no, it's not punishment. He hasn't left you. Or I can know for sure he hasn't left you. Um, he sometimes does discipline us for sure. But oftentimes, God, what he does is he takes the pain of this world that he does not bring, but it's part of this fallen world, and he uses it to help us to grow into the image of Christ. Nothing is wasted by God. Again, we often like to think that it is the mountaintop experiences that, that shape us, that help us to grow, but it's actually not the mountaintop experiences. What you discover, um, I had the privilege of going out and doing some rock climbing or mountain climbing out in Colorado, and what you discover there at the top of the mountain is that hardly anything grows. It's barren. Now, being on the mountaintop can give you a, can, can give you a perspective, can help you to kind of look around at your life, and so sometimes if you have a mountaintop experience, maybe you go on a retreat, or 
I don't know, God does something in your life and, it, and, it, and, it's, and it's a marvelous event and it can give you this great perspective and that's wonderful. But where's the green growth? It's down in the valley. And in the spiritual life, it is often in the difficult times that that spiritual growth is taking place. So it's important to remember that as we are walking through life. Again, it's helpful as both a caution and an encouragement. A caution that difficult times are going to come and that we shouldn't be surprised when they do, but also an encouragement when they do. We can take heart knowing that God will take even those adverse circumstances, those experiences, and use them to shape us more and more into the image of his son. So those are the areas of growth where we are the Holy Spirit wants to work in us, faith, love, knowledge, and holiness. What are the means of growth? How are we supposed to cooperate with the Spirit's work in us? Again, the, the, the Holy Spirit is the lead partner, but we have a role to play. Perhaps some of you saw the headline back in 2019. Um, it's a very strange story. Teen boy goes blind after only eating Pringles, white bread, pork, and French fries. Now, I don't, you know, I tried to dig down to this and see, was this, you know, a bunch of hokum or is this the real deal? I don't know. But, but it was kind of in the news back in 2019 about this young fellow who went blind because he basically didn't have any kind of um, nutrition, <laughs> physical nutrition. Well, certainly what's true physically is certainly true spiritually as well. We need nutrition if we're going to grow spiritually. And while there are several ways that, that we can participate in the work of the Spirit, there are two in particular that I, I want to highlight for you, and that is spiritual milk and a happy home. Spiritual milk is basically the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to the first letter of Peter. Again, near the back of the Bible. If you're using the classroom Bible, it's page 1014. And I'm going to pick up, it's kind of mid-sentence, but, but I think it'll make sense. Picking up at verse 23, the Apostle Peter put it this way. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, there it is, the word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So again, Peter's holding up for us the word of the Lord, the importance of the word of the Lord. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. When the Apostle Paul exhorts, or Peter rather, exhorts us to, as he said, long for the pure spiritual milk, he's referring back to this um, a living and abiding word of God. That is, you cannot grow spiritually without the word of God. Now we're going to spend some time later in the course talking more specifically about how it is that we as Christians read the Bible some important things that we need to know. But I want to say even here and now, I want to encourage you all, especially now here we are in the season of Lent, 
where we are encouraged to take on certain disciplines to help participate in the work of the Spirit in us, I want to encourage you, challenge you, if you are not already in the habit of reading God's Word, to begin a discipline of doing that. And in just a little teeny amount, I would encourage you, if you've never read the Bible before, to begin with one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You might as well just start with the first one, Matthew, and just read a chapter a day. It'll take you five minutes. Maybe if you're a morning person, maybe you might want to put the Bible kind of where you grab your cup of coffee if you're a coffee person and make that your discipline before you pick up your phone, before you do whatever. I'm going to read just a chapter. Maybe if you're a night owl, maybe it's um, later in the evening that you might want to do that. But I want to encourage you. You cannot grow into the likeness of Christ if you're not learning about Christ, if you're not listening for him through his word. So I want to challenge you all to consider taking that up as a Lenten discipline. One chapter a day, again, it'll take you not even five minutes. Little prayer maybe at the beginning. Lord, help me to hear you in this word and read a chapter and um, begin taking in that spiritual milk that is part of our growth. The second um, means of growth that is incredibly important is a happy home, what John Stott calls a happy home. I don't know if you all can see that picture, but I don't know if this is fake or real, but it's just this is a happy picture. You got this house and the rainbow coming down. Um, but we, are, are, we have a need for a happy home. Well, what, what, what are we talking about here? What we're talking about is the family of God, the Christian family. Um, we're talking about the need that we have to be in relationship. We live in America in such an individualistic culture. You know, we are taught that to be mature is to be independent. Um, I remember as a child growing up, I um, had a bicycle with training wheels, and I can still remember, you know, having those training wheels coming off and feeling like I could ride that bike anywhere. That feeling of independence was an amazing feeling, and certainly that is part of growth. But in the Christian family, spiritual maturity is actually not independence. It's interdependence. It's learning how we can find our place within the family of God, within the body of Christ. And you cannot grow without your Christian family. You know, I've heard sometimes people say, um, you know, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I, I don't need um, to be part of a, 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 of a community to be a Christian, but friends, that grieves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always calling us into community because we weren't meant to be alone. We were meant to, to walk this walk together as a family in a Christian home, in a church. So those are the two means of growth. Um, there it is, spiritual milk and a happy home. I want to put up one more passage here, actually going back to a happy home. This is, um, comes from the letter to the Hebrews that really brings us home. The author writes this, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So spiritual milk and a happy home. 
So some questions I want to encourage you all. Uh, you know, we can't, obviously, normally we would be meeting in smaller groups to get you all a chance to um, get to know each other, but I want to send you off with some questions to ponder as, um, as we go our separate ways. Oopsie, Oop, wrong slide. Um, you can find them in your little field guide on page eight. And picking up on question two, we discussed four areas of growth, faith, love, knowledge, and holiness. In which of the four areas do you sense God's spirit urging or challenging you to grow? Maybe you struggle with faith, that is trusting God. Maybe you struggle with love. That is, there's some people in your life that you have a hard time loving. Maybe it's in knowledge. Maybe you say, you know, I really don't know much about the Lord, um, the Bible. Uh, maybe it's in holiness. Maybe there are areas of your life where you realize, you know, I'm, I know I'm doing these things, thinking these things that are out of step with the Lord. So I would encourage you to spend some time praying about that and to begin inviting the Holy Spirit in to help you grow in those areas. Number three, what advice would you give to a new Christian to help them grow and not stagnate? All of us as Christians are called not only to be disciples of Jesus, but also to be mindful of others that we might bring along in the journey. Um, Joe and Caroline are getting ready to have their child baptized. So in a sense, whenever you're, for those of you who are called to parenthood or grandparenthood, um, a major part of that calling is to disciple your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. That's what it, part of what it means to be a Christian. And so, you know, we might say, you know, Joe and Caroline is their child daughter, right? As she gets older, um, how could they help her to know how to grow spiritually and not to stagnate? But maybe you've got a friend or a coworker who is new to the faith. How would you help them to grow? Number four, how might you be able to develop your spiritual diet and home to strengthen your weakest areas of growth? Again, I've encouraged you all, challenged you all, if you are not already reading God's word, taking in that spiritual milk to begin a discipline of doing so. Any questions before I close? All right, well, let's, um, let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for these, your sons and daughters um, who have come to this place, come to St. Phillips, are new to this community, and um, all of us, Lord, we want to grow. We want to grow. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, for a renewal of your Holy Spirit in our hearts to identify those areas where we do need to grow and to give us um, your spirit of discipline to take up those things that would help us um, further along in spiritual maturity and our growth in you. In particular, Lord God, I pray you open up our hearts and minds to begin to meet you in your holy word, that we might take that spiritual milk. But Father, in terms of our um, spiritual home in this time where it's so difficult to connect uh, because of this pandemic, I pray that you would begin to foster relationships somehow between us, um, Lord, that we might, um, in spite of the obstacles, that we might get to know one another, that, that we might go beyond just a familiar face, um, that we might begin to to know one another by name, and, um, and to grow together in fellowship. So bless us as we go our separate ways, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.